0: why they might have got even economic grades in one or two of those holes straight down the guts is, well, they've drilled straight down that central phase and they've seen the uh, spodumene crystals outcropping on site, which they have released visual photos of and a company that's worth near 300 million bucks. No, no, 600,
1: 600, 600, 600
0: Holy shit, holy shit. Well, uh, hold on to your hats boys and uh, make sure you keep some toilet paper around the red
1: five yeah i know this sort of uh this was early today and it's sort of evolved during our notes writing session but it just got announced before we hit the go button that silver lake resources are the buyer of this 12 percent of red five. it poses the question of
2: why what are the motives and you know what i'm sensing Battle of Leonora 2.0. <laughs> G'day, G'day buddy-waters.
1: Welcome to another week, Monday, 18th of September.
2: Welcome back, Maddie. Maddie, you rested up,
1: mate? Can they turn the aircon on in here? Because mining is heating up <laughs> at the moment. I am rest and rejuvenated. Walk, got bloody. Uh, come back with my tail between me legs. I couldn't live in Sydney. Too many bloody. Oh, <laughs> mate, a celebrity those, like you. Come oh, <laughs> mate, it was. Too many oh, the poker machines, god, yeah, got me fixed over there. I can tell you that
3: much. Well, mate, we got god bless, plenty.
1: god bless the broker pubs. Put it that way. Shout out to all the Sydney brokers, I love yous. But a My heap type of, of news to uh
3: take your mind off. Things, Jesus
1: don't Christ, we? we've got a fuck, happening. fucking happening list and a half here. So, we've got we've got Wildcat, yeah, uh, we also got a got a bit of a call in from a bit of a Twitter go- geo guru coming in for the Wildcat chat. You sure do. Uh, Abyssinian 249d vo- vote the other day, VHM. So I won't give too high. much away, but the red five share trade today and a bit of news mm. dropped just before the announcement, uh, this episode recording, develop essential, that deal and De Grey.
3: Yep. Both bits of news that come out late on Friday that we're going to get into.
2: Mm.
3: And, uh. Really intrigued. Oh yeah. Jeez. Bloody yep. fucking all happening. All it's, it's, it's a
2: bit of deja vu with some of them, and I'm very excited. I to hope go there. it's
1: deja vu travel. Yeah. And uh, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, I know. Hope I hope this is round to hope this is another going to be a potential new dedicated
2: playlist on YouTube. I'm actually really excited for that, mm. personally. I just got one more thing to to mention at the top of the street. We just put our show on Saturday. We covered Greatland, was one of them. You know what's really interesting about Greatland Gold, other than their. Uh, beautiful ha- Haveron deposit which I'm still not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly by the way.
1: The amount of fucking <laughs> private messages you get from people to talk there, about Greatland Gold.
2: There is a big retail following in this stock, which huge. is completely unexpected. It's not an ASX yep. stock, but my goodness, did the um did the Twitter folk might be a get dearth of in- quality over in London. Get in- Yeah, but isn't it it's a bit it's intriguing that it's got a big Twitter following because it's like an Australian asset, non-controlling joint venture. all all that stuff. But anyway, there's a big Twitter crowd for this one. Um, and some of those Twitter Folk, they seem a bit more analytical than your usual Twitter church who love a stock and I was having some good discourse with them and um – and they're, they're keen to clarify a few things, so I'm going to keep chatting with those guys, and there might be some a follow-up stuff to do with uh, with Greatland when, when that all settles. I'm going to be in London next week, guys. And I even put forward the um, option to them to, to do a, a follow-up episode in person if they want to take me up on on that one. One of the guys uh, said, it, we'll call it the Ashes. <laughs> <laughs> you might have to take some
1: security with you, Trav. Lee. Yeah, maybe. Uh, it's all friendly. Oh, good <laughs> stuff. Right partners for the day uh, their their second run a new one smec power and technology marty law and the team boys uh, mate i've i've been to their i've been to their workshop before you don't see you'd pretty much have to go to china to see a workshop like theirs like they they're in-house fabrication australian made look none of this imported shit it's all made with their bare hands of smec power and technology especially their uh, vent on demand and variable speed ventilation drives, for secondary ventilation. Mate, if you want to save 400,000 litres of fuel, that's what you should get for your mining and tunneling. i intrigued,
3: I might give Marty a call myself. Mate, go to the <laughs>
1: Friday Barbecue. Friday, his old man doesn't work there anymore. I would have pinched a couple of darts off him if I was there. But um, mate, Friday barbecue. But mate, very very impressive. Australian owned and made. Yeah, we should. She's all go. You love to see that talent in, mate. You do. Anyway. Beautiful, and, bloody. If you and if tell you what, four hundred thousand bucks, four hundred thousand litres of diesel. I'd, I'd save that any day. Bloody, you're pretty much a millionaire.
3: Cheers, Smack. Appreciate Put it. Put on it. your
1: smack and our great friends at Terra Capital. Bondy and Langers. Bondy and Langers. I think they should just change the fun name to Bondy. <laughs> but imagine saying on a top 20 shareholder list um, just Bondy and Langers. <laughs> now that is something I want to see.
3: Experts <laughs> in the natural resource space, oh, yeah, if
1: you yeah. remember as well. <laughs> yes, yes. And
2: uh, They've got as good a taste in stocks as they do podcasts to sponsor.
1: They sure do, mate. <laughs> they got good Couldn't taste in that.
2: bromances.
1: I, I do always have this feeling it's a one-way one, but um.
3: <laughs> I was wondering about that, too,
1: mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're pretty much forced into it. Thanks, Tara, for all your support and smack. Right, let's boys. Let's get into it. All
3: righty, Wildcat,
1: WC eight. So God, this has been in the news much of recent, much due to the. Due to no assays and a six hundred million dollar unfully diluted market cap. That pretty much sums it up. And let's get, let's give it it's a you'd say it's a lithium neurology play to Pilgangora and Wajina. You know, it's
3: right and,
2: next to Pilgangora. And much. a
3: sort of Azure type, you know, yeah um, explosiveness is what the shareholders are looking for. I'm not mm. sure.
2: I'm not sure you call it because it like it does have a deposit, but um yeah, like the, there's a lot of the hot The hype, there's, hot air. there's a
3: lot of hot air. Yeah, <laughs> so they well, they're, okay, So their assays have come out today, mm. uh, as the company put it, a so-called major lithium discovery. Mm. Take that with a pinch of salt, given where it's come from.
1: Yeah, yeah. Look, what first pass thoughts we we'll go before we get Bogan on to give his thoughts. Did you did it s- s- jump
3: out of the page as a 600 mil market cap to you guys looking at the grades and everything? I mean that was jumping out at us for the last month or so as the share price ran up massively. the The announcement was interesting to sort of say the least. Up top you've got intercepts of eighty odd meters and two hundred odd meters, but they're, they're downhole, so they're sort of through the guts of the ore body. And then you you scroll on a bit further, and you've got estimated true widths of 20, 25 meters. So you think, hang on, maybe maybe it's not so good. But you know we're going to have a, a geo on to talk us through all his sort of aspects how he viewed announcement, so I'll leave that one to him. But yeah. the, the markets reacted very favourably. So they came off. Up, m- up 80%, percent Yeah, up 80 They're up massively, but they'd come off in the past week yeah. sort of. They're pretty much back to their high. Back exactly. Back to their high where they
1: run to. It just seems like the uh, 1% is the new 1.4%. Yeah, in lithium
3: grades. Exactly. <laughs> just and like they weren't, the grades weren't jumping out of the page. And like we sort of alluded to, you really have to look at the fully diluted market cap of this one. It is very different to what the market cap you might see on on the likes of Comsec is, because there's a heap of options that are in the money and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So the market cap isn't exactly what it looks on on first glance, is it?
2: Yeah, I looked at. That just this is a good case study for the money miners out there. I mean, a lot of people might just have their app or they might Google market cap and. Of course, um, you know, basing your, your, your benchmark of relative valuation in market cap is a, a step better than basing it in share price. Share price is like the <laughs> ultimate retail, like unit bias, and then you graduate and you you, you start realizing i got to pay attention to market cap now. Um, and in this one, the market cap you're looking at might not be the true market cap when you're talking about valuation because you've got to fully dilute it for, um, you know, options in the money or, or, or shares that haven't been quoted or performance rights and all that sort of stuff. In this case, there's 665 million shares on issue right now, but post-transaction, there's some shares to still be um, quoted from the recent transaction they did. Um, They tell you in their recent presentation that it's going to be 1062 million or 1,062 uh, million shares. But on my numbers, if you then dilute for all of the options and performance rights on top of that, the real number is closer to 1.35 billion shares Maddie and JD on a fully diluted basis and at 42 cents per share, that's nearly a $600 million fully diluted market cap. Wow. Huge. Yeah. Huge. And guys, Twitter's had some different views, which was interesting. I'll flash up a few tweets for the both of you. Chucky says, Wildcat announces a major lithium discovery at central pegmatite based on two direct specials, but the holes drilled across the pegmatite tell a different story, particular in the northern pegmatite. Isn't this misleading? Question mark. Um, Geez, if that glo-
1: imagine if that glory hole was drilled in the correct <laughs> dip and that was the all-body. Fuck me dead.
2: Yeah. I mean, it is interesting.
3: They've, they're have they not, you know, you call them director specials, Chucky does in this case, but they have provided cross-sections, which have. not all companies do, so credit to them. I don't, for I don't think yeah, it totally. was
1: it, it, not a it, – it wasn't a director special in terms of they'll drill in that way and then they're like, I think it's dipping the other way.
2: Yeah, yeah. So it's your uh, Yachana, I've been told that this one needs to become a top – Tweet of the Week, and I think it's fair enough. I might not say all of the words in it. But uh, Yuchana says, announcing a major lithium discovery and then showing this image is like showing a measurement of the underside of your bleep. And um, <laughs> Bogan, geologist, Trav, says... Trav, you have matured so much <laughs>
1: in your money of mine, time. I'm, I'm pressed with your
2: bleep there. <laughs> Bo- Bogan, who's about to join us on the potty, he says, um, surprised they admitted via cross-section that they were going for the director's special of the century. The other hole in the headline 86 was on the same orientation, so the same can be assumed there. Yeah, underwhelming, straight to the back of the woodshed. So it was that tweet that got me intrigued. And um, Bogan's kindly agreed to join us on the potty and hopefully we can collectively become a bit smarter when it comes to interpreting these are uh, these cartoons, Maddie and JD. Mm,
1: yeah, right. How <laughs> about we just uh get the big feller on to give his take on uh what this all means and what he thinks of the wild cat. I've just got to say that every time. <laughs> wild cat. Right. Bogan Cobber. Good to have another uh strong voice on the money of mine show mate how are you
0: ah day, lads Good day. it's uh excellent and uh day the rest of your money miners
1: very good mate, uh, mate
0: welcome to the old bogan special <laughs>
1: <laughs> mate we've just given a bit of the bit of a prelude about the wildcat results mate we're going to get your expert geological point of view mate take it away what stood out to you what do you think of the results out of wildcat today
0: all right, well, so the first thing that hit me across the face was well, they've uh, put some fairly wide holes out there, and well that was obviously evidently what the market was hoping for. Um, not sure if everyone knows this wildcat come, kind of come out of the blue and shot to the moon, and everyone's just tentatively waiting to see what's in the old uh, truth machine. As we call the draw rigs in the exploration world. So, um, and suffice to say, I think uh, people weren't disappointed on the um, on the surface today. But honestly, I um, I had a good read through the thing all the way down to page thirty-seven, and uh, there was some fucking howlers in there. Uh, <laughs> primarily, funnily enough, on page thirty-seven itself.
2: What do you What do you mean, mate? A howler. Oh, I, wow. I got to admit, I didn't, I didn't read that far. We're hanging on. You. We, did,
1: we didn't. Uh, we didn't read much because we knew you were going to fucking do it all for us. Yeah. Also, I don't know how oh, to
2: interpret yeah. cartoons.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, uh, if you guys have a uh, computer handy, you'll realise on page thirty seven, nestled down in the uh, Jork report, table two, there is a cross section hiding down there. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, right. right. I yeah. realised. Yeah. I only realised after probably my second or third read-through. Well, the two holes that they've uh, released were drilled right down the guts of previously mapped pe- pegmatites that I think they would have known the orientation of already, so these, judging by the
3: fact. These previously mapped pegmatites, they would have been by done by the, the previous owners or government or something? Like that?
0: Um, I'm not too sure. I I do believe there's been a fuck ton of work done on the site. Uh, It was once owned by Sons of Gwali and it's been passed through a couple of companies. Uh, um, Yeah, so the pegmatites actually seem to be dipping towards the east. And these two main holes they've drilled were drilled at a 90 degree azimuth, which if you guys know how a compass works, ninety degrees goes directly to the east. So essentially, sixty degree dip, straight down the guts of it.
1: What? Gotcha. Why? Can you? Is there a why?
0: I'm not too sure. I think they've uh, pleaded a bit of ignorance, or uh, or the fact that they didn't know which way the pegmatite was uh, oriented in that area, but you kind of put two and two together and you drill it all from the same orientation that everything else was drilled out. And if you look at the other holes, well, a good majority of them are drilled to the 270 azimuth, which is that drilling from east to west, same orientation as the rest of the holes on the tenement have been drilled out. And from the little ones that they've released in that central zone, it looks like a fairly thin, fairly irregular pegmatite body. It has a fairly low grade on it.
1: Yeah, right. So that's looking at that – we're looking at the table now, the, the gaps in between the red bits showing it's uh, yeah. discontinuous. Yep, yep. A lot, of that, in, a lot of internal dykes or something.
0: Yeah, I, I think honestly that uh, the spodumene-rich part of the pegmatite is actually quite thin and it tends to pinch and swell. So Spooky. essentially how these pegmatites work is they uh, – Crystallise it essentially outside in, and so on the outside you get a, a finer um, rock mass, finer grained, and some a, a process called fractionation occurs, where as the pegmatite cools, different parts depending on their uh, chemical nature crystallise out first, and it slowly grades into a area where you're hoping you're going to get a spogamine phase in the pegmatite. Um, if you ever get a chance to look at, say, Pioneer Dome, they actually had a polycyte area of their pegmatite, which they mined back as Pioneer back in 2018 and exported a DSO cesium product. Uh, there's also lepidolite or petalite phases, and there's also barren quartz phases as well, Um, that come along with these pegmatites so really what I think might have happened here and why they might have got even economic grades in one or two of those holes straight down the guts is well they've drilled straight down that central phase and they've seen the uh, spodumene crystals outcropping on site which they have released visual photos of And a company that's worth near 300 million bucks. No, no, 600 fully diluted.
1: 600 600. fully diluted.
0: Holy shit. Holy shit. Well, uh, hold on to your hats, boys, and uh, make sure you keep some toilet paper around.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right. Well, you're uh, obviously contrary to the majority of the market since they're up 80% today. So they've uh, certainly had a big, like, that, that is back up to where the sort of highs were previously, but there's definitely a bit of mania around mm. this. Bogan, the, um,
2: the director special and I mean it might be worth you just telling the audience what a director special is as well, but it's a pretty transparent director special. I mean they give you a cross section on one of the first pages and you can you can kind of see it.
3: Yeah, up front they say downhole as well with the you know the results a bit further down as we touched on at the in the intro being the estimated true width, much much thinner than the, the initial sort of thickness.
0: Yes, yes, that is very true, and I will give the wildcat team a bit of credit for that. Um, They have been partially transparent. Uh, I would have liked to see a cross section of the uh, the head. Well, essentially, the headline hole, the uh, slightly thinner. I think it was fifty-five. Yeah, eighty-six. Tark eighty-six. Yeah, that's Um, yeah. Essentially, I, I believe that might have actually just stopped dead. Um, which really doesn't make a pretty cross-section at all because you can't show the open-at-depth arrows pointing down. But a director special essentially is a hole that's drilled uh, at an oblique angle to the orientation of the ore body. Uh, so you can imagine a, a tabular uh, sheet-like ore body that's extending at a 60-degree uh, dip Um, For instance, running north to south and dipping towards the east. Now, the company comes along and they drill towards the east and try and follow the ore body down as far as possible, creating an intercept that is wider than the actual true width of the ore body, giving investors the impression that the ore body is actually much bigger than they're letting on in terms of its thickness because at the end of the day, it's not the 2D that drives the tonnage, it's the 3D.
3: Mm.
1: Love yeah. it, mate. Yeah, right. So is right. that um, what did you think of the grades, Bogan? They're not uh, I guess I mentioned before this, it seems one is the new one and a half in lithium for these valuations. They weren't jumping out of the page at you, I didn't think.
0: No, they definitely weren't. And what people really need to look for is – Not that one headline hole, but all the holes around it. And if you actually go through the table they've put at the bottom of the received assay results, you'll see there is a lot of thinner, lower grade. We're looking at 0.8s and 0.6s. That cross-section that's down on page 37, for instance, I think that that boasts a uh, fairly wide intercept of 0.6% lithium oxide. Yeah, you're right. Which is pretty disappointing, and you've got a couple of holes that are essentially drilled, attempting to get to the true width uh, measurement of that ore body. And, um, well, yeah, let's hope for the uh, people that have piled into this company's sake that those hits come back at anything above, say, 15 metres at 1%, which I'd say is probably your cutoff for bulk mining a decent open-cut pegmatite. And
1: I think, I think when you're saying 1.1, 1.2, 1.3, those sort of headline numbers, you'd be really struggling to get a total resource that would be above 1%, wouldn't
0: you? Yeah, know? that's that's definitely true. And um, people have got to also, uh, if, if you don't have time to learn how an all-body is in the flesh, uh, if you don't have the experience with seeing these things up and personal, um, at least do a little bit of, Uh, your own research take a take an hour learn what a pegmatite is learn how they form Um, people have got to take into account that these pegmatites almost have a bit of a nugget effect to them Uh, it all depends on the spodumene crystals that essentially you're you're going to be mining at the end of the day and without having thick large crystals continuous through the ore body you might have these little high-grade hits here and there that you'll be able to dilute out, smear across a drill hole and create an intercept that looks far more promising and wide and bulk mineable than it actually is.
3: Ah, very good, Bogan. Beautiful. You got
1: anything for the big fella while we got the Strine
0: on the line? That was good.
1: I think we're all we're
3: all a bit smarter for for hearing what Bogan had to say. Ah, good on you, Chopper, mate. And um,
0: no worries, guys. And um, yeah, we're keen to see
3: how this one plays out. We'll follow. Yeah,
1: we'll uh, follow this closely and get you back on the line for any further updates. (laughs) Good on you, Bogan. Excellent,
3: lads. Cheers, mate. Well, uh, Hooteroo, Hooteroo,
1: Hooteroo, mate. mate. (laughs) Right, good stuff, Bogan. Bloody GC of the geological industry, boys. The Abyssinian vote happened last Friday. JD, you're uh, balls deep into this. Uh, I'm, God, it's, it's fascinating. As I say, fascinating. A lot now hanging around with you.
3: Fascinating story, this one. All right, let's get let's get into Come Abyssinian, it, mate. What happened? So as a quick reminder: they're our public unlisted company, and they made a few headlines a couple of months back with shareholders launching Section Two Four Nine D, which we've spoken about. A few times now, that's a sort of action for shareholders to try and remove the incumbent board. So, investors and the incumbent board, they're vying over control for Kenticha, which is a hard rock lithium asset. It was previously a tantalum mine, and it sits about 500 Ks south of the capital of Ethiopia
2: in Ethiopia. I think it's important to mention uh, up front uh, the money mine is everything. For full disclosure, it's public knowledge the money mine, um, our company, is one of the named defendants in a defamation case lodged with the Supreme Court by two of the directors of the Abyssinian Board, and this is still ongoing.
3: Yeah. So prior to the shareholder vote last Friday, there was an order from the Supreme Court of WA on the 18th of August declaring that the milestone shares that had been granted to directors of the Board of Abyssinian were invalid, and they ordered that Abyssinian rectify their register and remove the disputed securities. Subsequent to the court cancellation that I just touched on, but before the 249D vote, which went ahead last Friday, we understand new stock was issued in the vicinity of 14 million new shares to investors who we've not been able to identify. So prior to those new shares being issued, there was roughly 100 million shares on issue, Maddie. Mm. So yeah. that
1: okay, so that fourteen million shares from when Roughly,
2: the slightly less ra- yeah. roundabout.
1: So for in between when the Supreme Court ruling was and the two four two four nine D vote, there has been fourteen million shares placed issued. So uh,
2: yeah,
1: placed.
3: So is that okay? So is
1: that there are there are publicly unlisted. Yeah. Company. So that
3: so that number fourteen million is is pretty key. So the performance shares were cancelled. The new stock was issued. And the shareholder meeting went ahead on Friday. So all three people that were up for election, being Martin Rowley, Brian Talbot, and Eddie Rigg, lost out by 11.9 million shares. The incumbent directors were voted to remain by that exact same margin. So it's not clear who those new shares were issued to, like I touched on, but assuming that they voted in line with the incumbent board, they were the difference on the day.
1: Oh, there you go. So probably probably another example, boys, that's been discussed numerous times by us is the the difficulty of requisitioning shareholders to remove an incumbent board from a 249-D
3: process.
2: Super tough. Yeah. I think you're right, mate.
1: Yeah. Right, VHM, change in leadership.
3: Yeah, so that popped up uh, late Friday. It's a bit curious timing, why it's not the most attention-grabbing time to put something up late on a Friday afternoon. VHM, they're a rare earth and mineral sands company. They've got the Goshen... Project. They kept it 120 million, and they were.
2: I think it's Goschen.
3: Go- Goschen.
2: Goschen.
3: But
1: what'd you say, Goshen? I Gos- oh, fuck it, not even. Quite. I would. I don't know if that's right, but you're definitely not right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Mate, we said one on Friday, and he was wrong.
1: Goshen.
2: Oh, uh, you. Were, we were both wrong. I think. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we'll leave this bit in.
1: Oh, well, you just go on. I'm just going to get a bloody um google pronunciation for this keep, keep, keep running it
3: <laughs> all right they were listed on january of this year and since then the stock has halved an interesting one about this one is that none other than chris ellison is 10 shareholder in the company and that was that was the case pre-ipo as well so this is personally it's not in minres like a few of the other type of deals that we've spoken about in the past couple of weeks or so
2: but it was it was a friday arvo announcement from memory and you got Ah, uh, yeah, leadership change both the CEO and the uh, chairman. Uh, you might be right,
3: Jody. Goshen, I think I am. Oh, really? Yeah, never oh. in doubt. YouTube says Goshen. I mean, I wouldn't trust YouTube as a source. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So VHM announced that Don Rudge is leaving the chairman's role. Ian Smith will assume his role. So he's got experience at WMC, Rio, Newcrest. Ron Douglas. He's going to move into the interim CEO. Position. So there's plenty of change. Those two I just mentioned have only come on the board a month ago and a third director also came in whilst two previous directors retired at that time. So VHM released a DFS in March. But I think, you know, we've previously elaborated in our episode with DK from Terra, like just how hard it is to, to get a project like this off the ground. So I think the team, the new team coming in really has their work cut out for them there.
2: Mm. Yeah, and when we spoke with DK, I think he was a bit more reserved about this one. His comments were something along the lines of he wants to see a mineral sands project stand on its own feet before you kind of your studies include a a, um, a rare earths kind of base case. I think he said you can't. Yeah.
1: yeah, you can't rely on yeah that rare earth being the kicker to get it over the line.
2: And from memory, this is like a, it's a whim style deposit. The Wim deposits in the mineral sands world have a long history. I think they were discovered a long time ago some mineral sands expert will reach out to me and let me know I'm wrong about this. But um, I think there was, like, Aluka oh, discovered some of the whims way back in the day, but they were, uh, weren't were able to find a processing solution for some of them. I'm pretty sure VHMs are a little bit different in some way, but the whims have a have a, um, a really intriguing history when it comes to mineral sands and processing solutions and all that sort of stuff. There you go. Mm,
3: Should we right. talk
2: about develop, guys?
1: Develop essential. Uh, so the deal has been in the... As you said, riveting Um, 696-page scheme booklet. Uh,
3: Fascinating. Oh, <laughs> mate. Did you read the whole thing, J.D.?
1: You would have too.
3: I didn't. I, re- I read plenty of the independent experts' take. You need to get some kids,
1: <laughs> I reckon. Uh, so within that independent expert report, it, the deal was deemed not fair, but we're going to go into why that is, and it's not a bloody... It's not as simple as that and there's a big reason behind it that these boys are going to go in. William is uh, not happy about it. Yeah. Isn't it funny looking at the quotes in the AFR? Like If you just read the quotes, you acha- attached a big yell to them. I read Did it you? like, please tell me where <laughs> I can buy developed shares at $1.73. I, <laughs> I, I read them like that. I read them yeah, as like okay. him yelling yeah.
2: and saying, <laughs> yeah. do you know where I can uh, – but anyway. I was reading as like I a – um, um, a sales pitch in some ways. But yeah, that's No, nah, I reckon yeah. I I heard you got a bit more history with I heard,
1: uh, I heard yelling. Yeah. With Mr. Beamant than <laughs> We do. Right, boys, let's let's get in it. Now the, let's do we're it, mate. talking about the Pioneer Dome Lithium project, um, down in the off south of the near Norseman, really, in the Goldfields area, near yep. near Bald Hill and Baldania. Um developer I'm not do you reckon I'm saying that just to prove my thieves <laughs> is <Yeah>. right. <laughs> we'll keep going, mate. We'll Anyone. keep going. <laughs> so they they've
3: Take, taking over Essential via a scheme. They are, mate. So um, we'll we we'll get into that. That came out late Friday. There was also some, you know, interesting price action. The the share price teared up about ten percent, which was the most volume traded in a day in the past year, as well as the second biggest daily share price. Yeah, profit. they
1: were holding back a bit for a while. So they're yeah, back up been... to three bucks twenty now. So Yeah, that's um, it.
3: And just for, for mentioning, you know, Essential Meadows, they're trading it at between sort of forty five and forty seven cents at the moment. So there were like you said a couple of details in that immensely interesting 600 I think 96 page scheme booklet that came out as put forward by Essential. So as a reminder, this is for Essential shareholders. They will get if for every 6.18 shares they've got in Essential, they'll get one Develop share. So on a fully diluted basis, shareholders of Essential will hold 15.9% of the proposed merged entity and shareholders of Develop will hold 84.
1: Do do you, when you look at this deal, do you say it's a takeover or a merger?
3: Uh, Or is it sort of the same thing? When the ratio is like that, I consider it a takeover. It's a takeover.
2: Yeah. You can get into semantics. Yeah. I mean, it's not a takeover by the mechanism. It's a scheme. It's technically a merger, but yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah. but it's the same when you see, you know, a merger of equals. Yeah, Yeah, right. Is it a merger of equals? Yeah. Anyway, so the independent expert report that accompanies the scheme came out and the verdict, like you said, Maddie, was not fair but reasonable, so it's it's not totally surprising, though much to the dismay of Mr. Beaman. So why don't we just do a quick description of what fair and what reasonable mean? Because we speak about it all the time, and you know, like we said, it's not surprising in this case. But I think it's mm. you know a bit confusing of what those words
2: actually mean yeah. in this context. And fair is all about value, and you know, an expert has a way of assessing that the, to define it. Fair is. An offer is considered fair if the value of the offer price or consideration is equal to or greater than the value of the securities that are subject of the offer. So it's just math.
3: And reasonable, an offer is considered reasonable if it is fair, but if an offer is not fair, it can still be considered reasonable if the independent expert believes that there are sufficient reasons for shareholders to accept the offer in the absence of a higher bid. So Mm. it's, it's quite simple and hence, in this case, Essential, whose board has backed the deal already, can say that the independent expert concluded the deal to be in the best interest of essential shareholders because it was classed reasonable. Okay. With all that technical stuff said, it really just gets down to what the independent expert has valued the two businesses at because it's a a script deal. So we won't go into the depths of how BDO, they're the independent experts, valued the business, but we'll show on screen now what the ultimate outcome was. So they do a sum of the parts analysis and they combine the – the value that they ascribe to the various assets that each of these businesses hold. So they broke out a low preferred and high value scenario for each of the value of 6.18 essential shares and the value of the proposed merged entity. Mm. So like I said, it shouldn't be all that surprising that this one was deemed unfair. You've got, you know, Bill Beeman's Develop Global here, similar to Raleigh's, Genesis, Mark Clark's Capricorn, they all trade at significant premiums, because of that high-quality management that all those companies have. So independent experts have trouble putting this in their model.
2: <laughs> you <And> can do <laughs> – some of the parts value is based on cash flow. It's really hard to um, yeah, to wrap, wrap management premium into, into cash flow. But in the real world of mining investment, we know that good management teams – Command a premium, rightfully so, because of their history and that, you know creates value. But, Absolutely, um, it's kind right. of hard to solve that. And hence I get- reckon
1: I could add uh, like a bit of a multiplier into these sheets, and it's called the Matty GC factor. <laughs> and like you just apply, it's a bit of a
3: multiplier for a management premium. You'd say, I love it. <laughs> and hen- hence you get a value of a dollar in their case for developer. Matty, why don't you why don't you read out a couple of the uh, the quotes that. Mr. Beament had to say about this. Well, that's,
1: as I said, I'll read. Um, I'll read it as it said. Uh, Please tell me where I can buy developed shares at a dollar or you could, as I first interpret it. Please tell me where <laughs> I can buy developed shares at a dollar <laughs> That's I don't know. He either said it, either of that one. Hey, do um, your interpretation <laughs> for that second uh, quote as well. So. He'd be like, "Look, I've spent more than ten million bucks buying developed shares in the recent months, and I've paid up to three bucks twenty a share. And I certainly believe that I got more than fair value. It was great value. <laughs> Is that anyway? So, he's fair, s- mate. I think
3: he said it like that when he was on on the phone yeah. in the paper. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and I don't think he's wrong. I'd probably be buying developed shares at buck seventy three as well. <laughs> oh shit, Jeff! Yeah. But I don't think he'll be winning over those rigid experts anytime soon. Well, and he obviously saw value when he was buying them. At- when they got down to 250 and 270 as well. Sure did. So ultimately I reckon the deal gets done quite soon and essential shareholders will be in pretty good hands. There's one last point on develop that I want to touch on and it's a good prelude for an episode we've got coming out on Friday, I believe. So looking at the essential share price right now, let's take 47 cents. If you times that by 6.18, because that's the number of shares for one developed share, you only get about $2.90 and develop at the moment, they're trading at about 320. So they're, you know, trading at a 10% discount, other things being equal. So the key risks are the timing, the deal risk, and, of course, other things being equal. So the scheme meeting is going ahead October 18th, and if all things go smoothly, new developed shares will be issued and trading by the 7th of November. So sum that up. Was there no way that could be classed fair
1: and reasonable when you got a high management premium? Is there a way? Was this unavoidable?
2: Oh, it yeah probably probably in was. this
1: case don't know
2: ah uh, it depends how aggressive your um, your cash flow scenarios are on develops other assets right if you can if you can say sulfur springs and woodlawn and everything to the moon then maybe you can backfill enough value to sort yep. of make it make the equation work without the management premium I think you know the typical investor knows that there's a management premium baked in there and they're comfortable with that
1: okay so so if so if Capricorn did a scheme of arrangement with another company, that would be probably not fair as, I as well. I think
2: Capricorns are different. I wouldn't – Because they've got cash flows. Yeah, yeah, I'd group Genesis in the – category. I mean, they've got cash flow now, with and stuff. but Capricorn's a little bit different because you can be aggressive in your assumption for Mount Gibson and backsell value these days if it's yeah. all completely unrisked development there. But, um, but, yeah, I think, you know, Genesis is another one where you, you probably have to chuck in a management premium in order to – Axel value too. Mm. That's it. Guys, I want to talk about red.
1: And just before we finish there, if anyone's got actual info on how Bill did deliver those (laughs) quotes and can confirm or deny my interpretation, I'd love to hear it.
2: Maybe maybe Bill can send through his own – requoting quoting of that. No, he, won't, we'll he won't talk to episode. me anymore because he knows
3: <laughs> I
1: can't, he blab, blab my mouth
3: so much. Uh,
2: right.
1: Alrighty, <clears> there's <throat> some
2: really
3: interesting trading action at Red 5. So yeah, I know, this sort of, uh, this was
1: early today and it's sort of evolved during our notes writing session, which happens every day, obviously, because a very diligent podcast. Mm-hmm. Look, the stock was up uh, 22% today. Uh, look, 10% of the company was done and traded in a block trade at 26 cents. So hefty, mm-hmm. hefty premium up, yeah, as we said, up 22. They were sort of sitting it around that low 20 cent mark. They're now up to 27 after um, – yeah, so – That is that bit, is
3: where had they had been trading just a week or so ago. Yeah. But they're so, right back up there.
1: But they sort of you, – you've seen the news uh, heating up a bit. Yeah. Red 5 going in. A bit of commentary, a bit of a week on The Australian about a potential Red 5 takeover from Genesis and it's sort of come out of nowhere and we'll go into that in a bit. But, look, the Petra Capital were uh, named as the stockbrokers and, look, early the early news this morning were contrary views i think our legacy media friends at afr and australian uh, afr said that genesis was the logical choice the purchaser says but then uh then the australian said that genesis is unlikely and it's possibly silver lake or gold road but it just got announced before we hit the go button that silver lake resources are the buyer of this 12% Mm. of red five so as we said the I guess the price has had a bit of a run since August from that low 20 cent now up to 20 cents and with these numerous stories in the media about takeovers and stuff it, po- po- it poses the question of why based on no information and what are the motives because there could have been of there could have been a couple of scenarios here before we guess knew that Silver Lake were the were the purchaser of these shares because mm. we've talked a lot about the balance sheet pressure and the debt obligations of Red 5 and, uh, you know, elevated share price is a lot better to raise up than a lower one but uh, yeah, uh what- I guess you'd, you'd, you'd probably scratch that now that we've got the Silver Lake uh stake and yeah. I guess, yeah, Trav, you, I guess those
3: those articles would have perked your ears. <laughs> oh. you said- the, the ones that come out of nowhere, they're...
2: Yeah, I think it was a Sunday night, not just gone, but the one before that. There was a a Data Room article, um, Bridget Carter. It was, uh, uh, you know, something along the lines of uh, Red 5 paying down debt now, highly attractive for a takeover by Genesis. And whenever I'm paraphrasing, I can't remember the exact wording, but every time I see an article like that, especially one in Data Room, I tend to ask myself the question – who would leak this and what are their incentives? Yeah, um, who benefits from this? Because we've seen how the sausage is made and there's a lot of fake deals that get leaked or, you know, fake deal leaks that, that can happen sometimes it often spread because someone has the incentive for them to exist. So I looked at that headline in the Australian a bit over a week ago and my first thought was, hmm, not sure I believe this one. <laughs>
1: no, there is one other example that is contradicts you, Trav, is yeah. when I make up my own deals. They're more likely on, to be true than data. But are <laughs> based on probably a bit of logic <laughs> sometimes and it's usually based on no. It's yeah. it's just like, nah, I'm
3: running with this today. Yeah. But Knowing maybe- how in-depth your analysis is, Matty, I back him every time. Oh, you wait, they're all going to come fucking true all at once. It's just going to be a flood of success
1: for me. So yeah. I guess let's ask the questions here. You could ask, were Genesis gearing up? for a Red 5 takeover, but now now Silver Lake taking this 12% stake, we don't know if it's stopping at that 12%, uh, you guess they're they're embedding themselves into Red 5. They have cash. They have to, after seeing the, the fight for Leonora, they're looking like they have to buy something soon, especially since Sugar Zone's been put on care and maintenance. So is this a way for Silver Lake to force Genesis to merge with them at some point now that taking a bit of control of red five I'm um, sure they'd
2: probably knock back there we're not forced to to buy something soon but that, that'd be the party line I guess but um yeah it's an interesting question to mm. ask it looks like they yeah the strategy of getting tied up in the assets that are on the radar of Genesis is you know coming to fruition here Maddie
1: right so, so if that so if that is the case if uh, we're going to say that uh, the play is here for Silver Lake to sort of embed themselves in a red five to maybe force the hand of Genesis to merge with them in some way yeah we don't we don't we don't know what the succession plan is like it's either way enhanced management capability. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you do merge, merge those codes and, uh, it gives them a lot more power to really consolidate that Leonora Laverton region, I think. So, um, yeah, what, yeah. what this merge gold co would look like hypothetically, we don't know. Yeah. And that's, stage. that's the interesting
2: thing, right? So the last two things, they wedged them, I've tried to wedge themselves onto Gualia and now they're trying to wedge themselves onto King of the Hills, which is why they're reported to be another target for Genesis. So is the real goal here just to merge with Genesis?
1: Hmm. Maybe they should have asked him at the start, <laughs> like <laughs> just like instead of all the dicking around and all these podcasts coming out about us, we, <laughs> we want to just merge. Well, Tra- Trav, um, yeah, like we could uh, we could say, has the hatchet been buried between Silver Lake and Genesis? Um, Raleigh actually provided a bit of context in this in his diggers presentation.
2: It did. It did indeed. And before I go there, just on the North American thing, I'm not sure that would hold a huge amount of value in the sum of the parts for Silver Lake these days. So, like, you know, to the extent you've got to deal rationale, I don't think that would be a huge, like, hindrance. But, you know, the the mm. the clear bickering in the past might be the bigger one. Um, and to go there, the...
1: And, and but looking at that as well, imagine if you've got, you got a, this North American asset on care and maintenance, you've got some aging assets in um, Deflector and Mount Munger. But if they've got this stake in Red Five and that's going to uh, become a bit of a hindrance in Genesis taking over, it does become a bit of a
2: pain in the ass, doesn't it?
3: It does. But I mean, <laughs> yeah, look at look at the deal with St. Barbara he did everything to cut
2: out the North American asset. Mm. And, yeah. And I mean, there was, yeah, the difference was the complications of the balance sheet. Um, overhang there but yeah. yeah absolutely yeah we
1: can finish stop finish talking about this but it brings me back to the i guess what catapulted money of mine i reckon it does the yeah, Leonora saga. that was fucking fun
2: so fellas i'm keen to play a quick video from raul's presentation at dickers he speaks specifically to the dynamic with silver lake luke tonkin and len aldridge get a specific shout out in his speech let's play it
3: <laughs> um so for me, I'm not about contract bashing, I'd actually much rather be working with our contract partners. Uh, but when it comes to interlopers, and M&A discussions for another matter. <laughs> so this is, uh, this is Luke Tonkin, uh, who used to be my boss back in the St. Ives days. For what it's worth, and anyone's wondering, I have and still have a lot of respect for Luke as an operator for what it's worth. Uh, and there's Lenny the lounge lizard, he's a little offsider. I'm not sure which one was more responsible so they both get to go up there. <laughs> but we have kissed and made up and that's the most important thing so as I said I still have absolute credit. I'll give this guys a mulligan for having a crack but uh, at the end of the day uh, we've kissed and made up and it's all about what we do next respectively.
1: Well, I think the key words there, besides all the, the, the humour involved, loved it, the, what do you say, the lounge lizard? Lenny the lounge lizard, his little off <laughs> Oh, Ooh. God, that would be, they would love that. Um, but it's all about what we do next,
2: respectively. Yeah, I, I stuck onto that last quote there, what we do next, each respectively, right? And it seems silver like won another round in the boxing ring, Maddie and JD, and you know what I'm sensing? I'm getting a real feeling for it. Battle of Leonora 2.0. Oh.
1: <laughs> what are you, do you reckon Ral's better at um physical boxing or corporate boxing? Oh, you know, oh like buddy. I'd, I'd back is, him in
2: the corporate arena.
1: Yeah. I reckon he's uh yeah at like a Tim Zoo sort of level, I reckon. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm excited. Uh, so let's let's um we had the open invite to to them last time to come on come on the show and just like uh, hash it out. One, like, you know, like in person on the panel. And I think what we can do is we can create a boxing ring and we'll just have Raul, Luke Tonkin.
1: Mate, we could even get Bruce Buffer to come and fucking introduce it from the UFC. Now, that that would be cool. Oh, for fuck's sake, at and least whoever, respond to our messages. Whoever just, wins
2: gets King of the Hills. What do you reckon?
1: Yeah, now we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> I think we are the, literally the M&A adjudicators. Uh, MMA. MMA. It's just like... Don't don't be old school. It's like legacy media. Just don't be old school mining. Come to the new age of mining M&A that money of mine is offering. Oh, I love it. Right. Um, de Grey boys. Just finish her off with de Grey.
3: What's yeah, we've got going a bit to talk about
1: there? here. Talk about a big humdinger, possibly another M and A thing in the future, but uh mm. Yeah, right. Who's done? Who's done all the fucking work here, oh, Ivan? Um, all
2: right, mate. I'm keen to. I'm keen to sort of tease why why we're going to talk about the gay. So on Friday they came out with an annual report, um, and we know that their DFS is imminent, right? Annual reports aren't usually all that exciting to us, but there might be some clues in this one about what to expect in the imminent DFS.
3: Yeah, we'll, we'll give it a bit of background because they've sort of been a quiet for a, for a while now, haven't they, Matty? So. Mm. Market cap's huge. It's $2.1 billion. The share price is about $1.37. I mean, there won't be too many undeveloped gold companies out there with comparable market caps. They, they discovered the Hemi Gold Project in late 2019. It sits up in the Pilbara. So it's got an MRE of 9.5 million ounces from its latest update in June 23. And it's at about 1.3 grams per tonne. And lastly, on the background, you've got Gold Road sitting there as 19.9% shareholders. The PFS came out in September 2022, and we'll give a bit of background because it's interesting to see where the DFS goes from this. It's been, you know, a year or so, and the the environment has been very inflationary, which we'll get into. So the Maiden Hemi Reserve was 5.1 million ounces at 1.5 grams. Average production, 540,000 ounces for the first 10 years. Massive. Yeah, huge. MPV 5 of 2.7 billion with an IRR of 41%. 1.8 year payback, all-in sustaining cost of just under 1,300 per ounce Aussie, and a ten point uh, a ten million ton per annum plant. So, so that, and huge. You, it's, it's yeah, because you look at what
1: who would you compare it to? Like, like Genesis. Well, they they were striving with all of their operations for Tower Hill Once everything come online, to be about four hundred thousand ounces, I think from memory.
2: Oh, I thought it was three? Yeah, three th- or
1: four. Th- yeah, three hundred for now. And um, what like Silver Lake are pumping out? Two hundred odd across all their operations, like yeah, so like five hundred from one big one operation is bloody huge, massive. Capricorn are pumping out what one hundred and twenty thousand ounces.
3: Yeah, Carluhinda doing one hundred twenty. So the last detail is that the pre-production capex was put at Aussie one point zero five billion. So that's the important number. Yeah, key number. So like we said, DFS, it's imminent. It's going to come out in the next twelve days, if if the company is to be
2: believed. So. We're going to talk about pox circuits here. And this is this is because in the PFS and other messaging, DeGray are going to be using this pox circuit. So it's a critical thing to understand. And I'm pretty sure, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure DeGray's pox, um, if it comes to fruition, would be the first pox plant in, in Australia.
3: Yeah. Could so as a, as a quick reminder, pox circuit's just an abbreviation for pressure oxidation circuit. So it's, it's used when the ore that contains the gold, is not easily recoverable using your more standard or conventional methods. So it's this... like a, it's another alternative to Hp like to acid leaching as well. Exactly. Yeah. So, like you elegantly put it, Maddie, in a previous episode, using that pistachio analogy. Mm. Yeah. Well, like if you think of what they
1: call it, refractory yeah. gold, instead of free mill and just responds to cyanide treatment, refractory gold doesn't. So you think of it as a pistachio nut. The nut inside is the gold, and then you've got this shell of either usually arsenic, like in um, Calidus's case, it's stibnite, like it's contained within the antimony. So it fully encapsulates the gold. So even after you crush it up, the cyanide can't dissolve the gold into solution because it can't reach the gold. So you need this stage of either like a pressure oxidation or like a roasting of some sort to – get the shit off it to expose the gold so it then can be leached into a cyanide solution. Yeah, so, so that,
3: that POC circuit comes at the near the end of the, the flow sheet and they modelled a throughput of 0.8 million tonnes per annum in the PFS yeah, for so the I POC think, circuit.
1: Yeah, looking at the – I looked at the – I think it was the scoping study I looked for, I don't know. They said it was about – the whole ore body is about 60% free milling and 40% is, a, is classed as semi-refractory. So yeah. I don't know if semi-refractory still sounds like it's refractory yeah. to me. Um, so look, and their ore is – we talked about it in the Calidus one. There Theirs was contained in within stibnite, whereas um, degrays is contained within pyrite and arsenopyrite. So when you hear pyrite, that means sulphides. And then most of the gold is located within arsenopyrite. So that is – Mainly arsenic. So Arsenic's is what actually fully encapsulates the gold. So, so you're the African expert. I'm the metallur- metallurgy expert. So all God you need I'm to think about us.
3: here, right, Maddie, is added cost and added complexity.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I'll it, be interested to see, due to the scale, how much if if you're going to look at Pox and like you look at all the Indonesian laterite projects, like when when it's that fucking big. Yeah. That's when like pox and things aren't. If you've got pox on a very small mine, I think then it's it becomes an issue. But when you've got a big you're producing over half a million ounces, that you're like, it's probably not as big of a, a deterrent yeah, for exactly. the investment case.
2: Mm. It's HPL in Indonesia, that's right. Yeah, but it's like, sim,
1: like yeah, I okay. is the, a, the point is, yeah, yeah high capital. It's, it's that extra yeah. step of the yeah. processing that you need to actually yeah. make it happen. Yeah. So, yeah.
3: Yeah, so the annual report. Like we touched on, came out late Friday, and there were a few few details, Maddie, that that stood out that I reckon we should get into. So firstly with a couple of quotes from the Chairman's letter. Clearly, inflationary pressures will see some adjustments relative to the PFS, and let us acknowledge the DFS is being undertaken in a difficult environment with inflationary
2: pressures coupled by staffing shortages. Oh, two mentions of inflationary pressures in there. Mm, in and the Chairman's letter. And a it bit. is
1: just a warning before we double mm. our capital costs. Oh, well, maybe
2: not double. <laughs> <laughs> and,
3: a, and a bit further on, final investment decision had been targeted for calendar year 23. However, timing is now for early 2024.
2: It's, cl- it's clearly there's, there's some signalling about CapEx before the DFS drops within 12 days, we reckon. So uh, we know it's going to be bigger than... One billion, right? They're sig- signalling north. Um, the question is, how big is it going to be, and what will that mean for the project returns, right? Because any incremental capital you're adding also is that inflation having an impact on costs that you know MPV takes a proportionate um, downwards move. So, yeah, the, the, I still have. Northern stars super pit expansion FID, fresh in my mind. CapEx for that went from one billion to one point five billion in the space of a year. And the and the scope changed slightly as well. So. It, it absolutely did. And I wonder if we see the same for degree. The market is probably pricing that in already. I think broker consensus about is about one point two billion.
3: That'd be less than a fifteen percent increase. So that would be That'd in be, in uh, my view, quite good if it came out. Yeah, of that.
1: that'd be a pretty good result. Yeah, we'd probably but expect north of that. Yeah. There was
3: another detail in the annual report that I want to point out to you guys. So, there was facts around remuneration that kind of turned my head a little bit. The company had a three-year remun- remuneration plan set out in 2020 to align incentives, as most companies do, and that strategy ended this year. So, all key management's fixed, short-term and long-term incentives were re- were reviewed and then ultimately rewarded. So the long-term incentive targets, which were to be completed by the 30th of June, 2023, so passed now, were to remain employed, delineate 12 million ounces at HEMI, complete the DFS, confirming 500,000 ounces with a 12-year mine life, and lastly, to secure debt and, equity fi- and or equity financing. So it's at the board's discretion whether these incentives would be awarded. And ultimately, like I said, they were, which is pretty intriguing to say the least, because if you look through those, Hemi does not yet have a 12 million ounce resource. A DFS was not completed by June 30th and funding has not yet been secured. So yeah, we can move on from that one. Um, (coughs) What we're looking out for in the DFS, because like we said, any day now we're going to see this one drop and there's a few things that we've got our eyes fixed on. So like we've sort of been alluding to, metallurgy is super important. So recoveries, they pointed out in the PFS, an average of 93.6. That's pretty good. So mm. it'd be interesting to see once they've done a bit more work on it, like they have over the past year, what that comes out at. As well, CapEx, like discussed, an update on project funding and how that's all coming together. And lastly, what discounted rate is used? So they used 5%. I probably expect them to do the same, but the, the RBA cash rate is now 2% higher than it was when the PFS came out. The interest rate environment has changed massively. Capital costs... That the cost of capital for the company rather must have changed, so
2: it'd be interesting to see whether that's reflected in the uh, study as well. Can we cool. lobby, can we lobby for sevens MPV sevens amongst the goldies now? Can we can we just can we just lobby for that?
3: we firmly should. I mean, it's in it's in WA, a great jurisdiction, you know. But five percent really, like the we'll RBA cash rate
2: is four point one percent. We'll give them a, we'll give them a tick if they do an MPV seven for us. <laughs>
3: Guys, there are a couple of other details just to touch on as we round out on N- DeGray. N- NPVs for comment. <laughs> Discount rates for comment. <laughs> so I noticed in roughly the last six months or so, three directors had been selling stocks, so they sold about $1.7 million worth. Jupiter Asset Management, uh, a fund out of the UK. DeGray's they're a
2: gold fund, aren't
3: they, Jupiter? They have a yeah. gold fund, I believe. Okay. They manage a lot of capital. Yeah. Um, they're the second biggest shareholder of DeGray. They've been there a while, but they've been steadily reducing their holding for some time now, Trav. So they're now holding less than 5% or 77 million shares. And lastly, we spoke about this when it happened at the time, but they had a deal with Novo Resources who recently listed on Mm. the ASX. They spent and invested $35 bucks in the company. And I just want to question, I think like we did at the time, whether this was a good allocation of capital. I mean, I think we said at the time that it just keeps the growth narrative going Mm. and perhaps it's not such a big deal for a company of, of the scale, now a $2 billion company. But Probably not.
2: Yeah, I think that's the good point, the first point there on having a strong growth story. Um, it's a defensible narrative if, you know, if the study CapEx shocks the market or something like that. Yeah, so.
3: and that's probably why they've done it.
1: Maybe. But, but if, if you're going to put a bloody, uh, put your cock on the block for it, you couldn't, <laughs> you couldn't see them going through a full debt equity package to build this themselves, would you? Something, no. something. This this belongs in the hands of a major. Of I mean, some it's interesting
3: sort. as well with the with the added complexity that we've touched on throughout. Uh, you know, a management of you know, you'd want an experienced management team doing that, wouldn't you?
1: Yeah, yeah, and someone with the with the Pox experience as well. I exactly. Think, I, exactly. Think I saw a comment like, if you look at Newmont, uh, so which would be Newmont Newcrest, the mm-hmm. merge co. I think uh, they've they got a bit of Pox experience. Um, people have talked about. You know, Goldfield's taken out Gold Road or and then taken out to Grey. I'm not sure how much um, experience they've got in the pox department, but yeah. it definitely belongs in the
2: hands of a major to secure a shitload of ounces. Yeah. I see. Agreed, uh, no. totally. And keep, like, when it comes to doing a transaction or, like, developing it, there's a plethora of different ways you can do that if you are. DeGray, so keep in mind the biggest shareholder is Gold Road. What was Gold Road's strategy to get Gruyere developed? Well, they turned what was 100% theirs into a joint venture with Goldfields who yep. brought their operational expertise to to build the mine and they sort of shared in the economics. But it was a great way to get the operating expertise without actually having to, you know, recruit mm. and lose sort of the upside of the, the project. And all but that, that Would
1: that work with um, with De Grey? So when you got... You've got you've got Gold Road to bring in the operator and then DeGray, the sort of three parties. Uh, you, which are more lean to the fact that DeGray will become something else possibly.
2: Uh, yeah, I think all, all things are on the table. Um, I think if you were wanting to have a crack at owning DeGray from a corporate perspective, your strategy is you wait for the study to come out, you do your DD, and if CapEx surprises the market to the downside, then you're going to have a better value Bid than you previously did.
1: Mm, we're waiting for the money to get flowing back into Australia, aren't we? <laughs> Jesus Christ, it's going to be busy then. Yeah. Can't Andy, wait. Lucky we... We... Hey, should we talk about our new member? Oh yeah. How could we bloody? Yeah. How could we forget you? Even chucked it up on LinkedIn. Uh, chucked it up on LinkedIn. Our new head of <laughs> strategy. Now this was an agreed uh, title. I actually said chief of <laughs> strategy, but. Uh, yeah, you, you can, I, I don't know. I can't pronounce her first name properly. Ali, last <laughs> sorry. <laughs> 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 <Yeah. laughs> Ali
2: Galavitis. Yeah, uh, Ali Galavides, I'm probably saying yeah, that right yeah, too. Yeah, but I Ali. call her Ali GC. Yeah. she's
1: a bloody, she's an absolute legend, and she's uh, she's now on board as their head of strategy. So yeah, yeah we're, we're stoked the,
3: to have Ali G on on board with Money Mind. So right? pretty much if. Not everyone has to talk to only us now. We've got. <laughs> I'm
1: so excited about.
3: And we're a team of four. Like, that's pretty
1: exciting. Four. I couldn't believe someone actually put on LinkedIn that yeah. they work for us. I'm like, yeah, what the fuck has happened to the world? Yeah, this and, is a awesome. But mate, she's an absolute jet, and we are so excited to yeah. have her on board. So she's going to be uh, driving money of mine into the bloody stratosphere. I'm so excited to have her. Hundred percent, mate. Big Agreed. Done. And, and the money miners
2: are nowhere well from it. Two star appearances in the podcast already. Oh, no. Do you reckon um, JP Search would be fucking few because they're, like, we're supposed to get her
1: a job and clip a ticket here? So, sorry, boys. Snooze, you lose. Uh, no, beauty, That's boys. It. Great episode. Good to be <laughs> back. Uh, thanks to all the partners. Mech, Power and Technology at the start of the show. Terra Capital, Anytime Exploration, K-Drill and JP Search, who got a bit unlucky on Ali. Though she's not. She's only here a couple of days a week, so still on the table, boys. <laughs> Cheers, yeah. guys. We might have to. Do we get paid a, like a fee? A if we let her go or something. Oh. Happy to negotiate JP search, but <laughs> fuck me, it better be massive because she's a weapon. <laughs> we? we? The information contained in this episode of Money of Mine is of general nature only and does not take into account the objectives, financial situation or needs of any particular person. Before making any investment decision, you should consult with your financial advisor and consider how appropriate the advice is to your objectives, financial situation and needs.